Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. We welcome those listening by way of the internet today. We welcome you in your living room. The title of my message this morning is Double or Nothing. Double or Nothing. We had a great time, didn't we, guys? For those of you who came the other day on Tuesday night, Tuesday night we went out onto the streets and we decided, because we feel it's not just an idea of ours, but we decided to let's start getting the church outside on the streets. What's the point in just meeting and gathering here and singing songs and singing to God when Jesus told us, didn't he, go into all the world? And we went out onto the streets and we had absolutely brilliant time. And it wasn't the usual for me of just going and sharing the gospel and then saying bye to someone, but it was a combination of sharing the gospel with someone and a demonstration of the power of Jesus as well. And that's what it's all about. That's what Jesus told us to do, and that's what we did. And I just want to thank you all for those who came. There's a good 25 plus of people who came to just go straight out to the streets, and we had an awesome time, didn't we? Amen. Today's message, double or nothing. Luke 19, verse 11. Sorry if you were reading this in your Bibles, but we have the message version because I want to read from the message version this morning. While he had their attention, and because they were getting close to Jerusalem, by this time, an expectation was building that God's kingdom would appear any minute. He told this story, that's Jesus. There was once a man descended from a royal house who needed to make a long trip back to headquarters to get authorization for his rule and then return. But first he called ten servants together. He gave them each a sum of money and instructed them, operate with this until I return. Say, operate with this. Until I return. Verse 14. But the citizens there hated him. So they sent a commission with a signed petition. Pretty serious. They went quite far here. To oppose his rule. That's this man in the story. They said in the petition. We don't want this man to rule us. When he came back bringing the authorization of his rule. He called those ten servants to whom he had given the money to find out how they had done. The first person said to him, Master, I doubled your money. He said, Good servant, great work, because you've been trustworthy in this small job. I'm going to make you governor of ten towns. The second said this, Master, I've made 50% profit On your money. He said this. I'm going to put you in charge of five towns. Verse 20, 21 says this. The next servant said. Master here's your money. Safe and sound. I kept it hidden in the cellar. To tell you the truth. I was a little afraid. I know you have high standards. And hate sloppiness. And don't suffer fools gladly. 
He said, you're right that I don't suffer fools gladly. And you've acted the fool. Why didn't you at least invest the money in securities so I would have gotten a little bit of interest on it? Then he said to those standing there, take the money from him and give it to the servant who doubled my stake. They said, but master, he's already got double. The master said this, that's what I mean. Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. As for these enemies of mine, speaking about the citizens who opposed his rule. As for these enemies of mine who petitioned against my rule, clear them out of here. I don't want to see their faces around here again. Powerful parable. As we know, Jesus spoke in many parables. And here we picture this story. He's walking up to Jerusalem, to the city, with his disciples. They've seen many great things. Jesus is actually on his way to Jerusalem to ultimately die on the cross. And these guys are walking with him. And all they're thinking is, when he gets to Jerusalem, our king is going to become the king of Israel and he's going to become the one that we want him to be. And all the way up there, when they're walking to this great city where they think that Jesus is going to come as a ruler, as they expect, he comes out with this parable. He doesn't just come out with a parable just to tell them a story. He gives them this and speaks like this to explain that actually he's not going to go to Jerusalem and do exactly what they think he's going to do. He's not going to go and become the ruler that they think. In fact, he gives them a parable about a man who's about to leave them, abandon them. He said, well, what kind of king is this? He's about to leave his, this group of people he's been with and abandon them. And he uses this parable to explain what he's going to do. So he says in this story, as he's on his way, he says there's a man who's going to, in this story, just like me, who's got, who's going to give you a gift. He's going to give you a gift, each one of you. And then he's going to return to see what you've done with the gift. Operate with this till I return, said the master. Operate. And he returns in this story, the guy comes back and checks and says, what have you got? What, what have you done with the money I gave you? And he looks at them and each one says, well, I've got this and I doubled it and I invested in this and I used it. And he gives him rule over ten cities. Then another one, he gives rule over five cities because he's not done as much. And then the third has hidden away his gift because he was afraid, it says. And he was scared of what the master might do. And he hid it away and made nothing. He still had the money, he didn't lose it, but he hid it away. So he's saying, well, what, what does this story mean for, for me today? I, this is so many thousand years ago, Jesus walking up, I'm sat in a warm church today. It's not warm downstairs, but I'm sat in a warm church today. What does this mean for me? Because Jesus is not necessarily given me any money or he's not given me 
per se a gift that I can understand that's like this. But I want to draw something today, just for this short time, of what I believe Jesus is saying to us, what we need to do. Because I believe that this passage here means exactly for every person here who believes in Jesus. Amen? Number one is this. Receive or reject. Receive or reject. In the NIV, we read the message, the NIV says, So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten miners. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects, they're the citizens, they're not his servants. It's the servants who didn't get angry with him. It wasn't the servants who opposed his rule, it was the citizens. The subjects hated him, strong stuff. And they sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. That's how strong they were. Not everyone wants to be a Christian. Not everyone wants Jesus. When we went out on the streets the other night, I realized that. But I still love them. And I still talk to them. And I said to them, I'll talk to you forever. It doesn't matter whether you believe or not. That's not the point. But not everyone wants Jesus. We see it here. They sent a petition, a delegation after the person when he went to say, listen, we don't want you. They were strong. You can receive the gift or reject it. And they were given these 10 miners, that's approximately three years wages. It's a lot of money. Three years worth of wages. Imagine someone coming to you now and saying, here's three years advancement of your wages. Do something with it. It's a lot of money. Would you think, wow, I, I just want to protect this and I'm scared of what, if I don't, I don't want to use it, so I'm just going to hide it and put it in the bank. Be careful which bank you put it in. You know what they're like. Or am I going to do something with it? But let me tell you this. What gift do you think that you've got as a Christian, as a servant of Jesus today, that is what he's talking about? There's another parable in the Bible, in Matthew, that talks about the same thing as this. The talents. But actually in that parable, sometimes Jesus used different ways. He talks about different amounts for different people. We can read into these things differently, but I believe that there's different people got different levels of and different types of gifting and they don't have to be spiritual sometimes. There's some amazing people here who can cook a good meal. And Jesus uses these things and gifts. But in this story, he says he gives everyone an equal, equal amount. Let me tell you this, that Jesus, when he left the earth, not speaking in parables, he said this, when I go, I'm going to send someone who's going to come after me. I'm going to send a gift. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive something when I'm gone. So just in this parable, imagine these guys who've been with Jesus. They're thinking, that's the worst thing we could think. He's going to go. And then saying he's going to return. Well, what kind of leader are you? And they're looking at him thinking, this is not what we expected. But as, he, as they look at him and he says, just as he says, I'm going to give you this gift when I've gone. Three years advancement of money to, to prove to you I'm going to return with an authorization of rule when I've accomplished. And Jesus 
went to die on the cross to fulfill and pay the price for the gift of the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus couldn't send the Spirit in the way he did for us today if he didn't accomplish what he did on the cross. That's the whole purpose. He says the gift, until I've done what I'm going to do and I return, the gift will come. And he says you've got to get to Jerusalem to receive it. If you've not received the Holy Spirit today, I want to welcome you to know that Jesus is not just abandoned you and we're not just here today to sing songs about someone who lived 2,000 years ago. He sent his Holy Spirit and he's here today. Some people reject the Holy Spirit. Some people say, why does God do things in this world today I don't understand? Do you know something? Many people today don't even want him in schools. They don't want God anywhere near them. And then they wonder why. But do you know what? God is a gentleman that he is. The Holy Spirit is not a power. He's not a force. But the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he backs and steps back. He doesn't force his way. He steps back in the gentleman that he is. We can receive or reject him. Acts 1, 3 to 5 says this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them, the disciples, and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Today you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't mean someone's going to come like a TV evangelist and pray over you and something's going to happen. I received the Holy Spirit. I remember sat at work. I was sat at work. Someone had prayed for me before. I sat at work and I started to speak in tongues. Honestly, it just happened. But today I would not live without him. I would never live without the Holy Spirit. When you taste and see that the Lord is good, you don't want much more. If you go to a good restaurant, you'll go back if it tastes good. Amen? The man in the parable, the man in the parable said, operate with this until I return. So there's something to do, we have to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not there to make you feel nice. The Holy Spirit's not come so we can all have a happy time in church. You might think that's the case, and some churches might believe that, that we're all going to come and have a nice time and receive. He gave the Holy Spirit for a reason. Let me tell you, if he replaced, if he used the Holy Spirit to replace himself, when Jesus was around with them, not the Holy Spirit, when Jesus was with them, before he sent the Holy Spirit to them, they weren't just in rooms receiving and being happy. They were doing the work. So what I believe Jesus wants to say is this. When the Holy Spirit comes, I want you to continue doing what you've already been doing with me. Not, it doesn't change. You're not there to just start receiving and feeling good. You've got to do what you've been doing. I'm going to send someone, an advocate. I'm going to send someone to, for you to do exactly the same as what we've been doing. Continue it. The problem is today, some people think that they've changed it. They want to change the concept of it. 
to, no, he sent the Holy Spirit to have a feel-good meeting. Well, that's not what the Holy Spirit is about. The Holy Spirit is a replacement for Jesus while Jesus returns again with the authorization of his rule. And one day he will, and every knee shall bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord over all. The gift, the Holy Spirit gift is to equip us for works of service, to get the job done. Amen? Yes, he is a counselor. Yes, he does all these things, just as Jesus did. The disciples, they they laid with Jesus and they, they listened to him. He cared for them. He loved them. But they also had to stand with him when he was doing miracles and take opposition from people. It's to get the job done. As well as being comforted by him. If Jesus calls you to do something, he's going to equip you. And he sends this gift. That's the very thing I believe in this story, what he says. I'm going to go, and while I'm gone, I'm going to leave a gift, and everyone's going to get it equally. No one, let me tell you, is anointed any different than anyone else. If you receive the Holy Spirit, don't ever listen to the lies that people might tell you that someone is better than anyone else in the anointing. God gives different levels of, um, I believe, What's the word? He will allow people to do different things more than others. But the level of anointing, he sends his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is the same for everyone. Too many people, if you're not careful, will start to say that, you know, wow, look at him, filled with the Holy Spirit. I wish I feel like him. I'm I'm not as good a Christian as that person. It's not right. He gave the Holy Spirit to us all. When we went out on the streets the other night, I realized that. It's not about anyone. No one's special in this church. No one. Every single person has a job to do. Luke 24, 49 says this. We were clothed with power from on high. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The Christianity is about being clothed with power from on high. It's about a power gospel. It's not something that we follow as a religion. We are clothed with power from on high. And they received this gift. They received it. In this parable, some rejected it. His subjects hated him, it said, and they sent a delegation after him. We don't want this man to be our king. Unfortunately, some people today reject the Holy Spirit. They reject what God has in store for them. They reject this gift, this beautiful gift. And how beautiful it is. Jesus says when he gave this gift, just like he gave in this parable, these men, he was looking to see, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this? You say, well, did people really reject the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit was so good when it came. And so awesome and amazing. Let's read in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit comes. All of them were filled, it says, with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit enabled them. This was just an outward expression of what was going on inside. But here, in verse 13, just a little bit longer after. After they received this gift. He says, some... In that room, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. They've had too much wine. What does does the scripture say? Don't be drunk on wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
You see, they realized that actually, as they looked upon them, they couldn't see much difference between someone being drunk. It's in the Bible this, I'm not making it up. They couldn't distinguish the difference between a group of people who received this gift, between someone who was drunk on wine in this room. Sometimes you say, oh, I don't want to, I don't want the things that the Holy Spirit's got. This is not the Holy Spirit. This doesn't look right. Let me tell you, if people started falling down in here like they were drunk today, some of us would question maybe. But this is in the Bible. This is when the Holy Spirit comes. And some of the people who watched said, this is, this is not good. They took, they made fun of them and they said, they've drunk too much wine. They rejected what Jesus was doing. And you can reject what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life today. But let me ask you this question. What else have you got on offer to you? What have you got in the world that's any better than what the Holy Spirit has? They rejected it because it looked strange to them. They rejected it and looked and thought, "This this is not God. But Jesus promised this Holy Spirit, this beautiful gift for us to use. Jesus said this in John, If you love me and keep my commands... I will ask for the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I love that bit there. He lives with you. Jesus said this to his disciples before he went. He says, he lives with you and he will be in you. In you. So basically he was saying, you know, you've got the Holy Spirit with you now. I'm living with you. But soon I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. And then he's going to be in you. He's going to come and he's going to be in you. The Holy Spirit comes if we invite him to come inside us. To live inside of us. Number two today is this. To reveal and don't conceal. That rhymes quite well, doesn't it? That's from Peter's teaching of how to structure a sermon. Reveal, don't conceal. Some revealed their gift. And some hid it away safely. The money gift that he gave them was not to be hid away. It wasn't to be hid away. The, the first servant said this, Sir, your miner has earned ten more. He doubled, he, 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 he increased it. The next one said, sir, your miner has earned five more. But what does the third one say? He says, the next servant said this, master, here's your money, safe and sound. I kept it hidden in the cellar, says the NIV. To tell you the truth, I was a little afraid. I knew you have high standards and hate sloppiness and don't suffer fools gladly. He hid it away because he was afraid. Let me tell you today, there are people here who are worried about how to... You've received the Spirit of God. It's not that you haven't got the Spirit of God. But all you do is conceal it, hide it, and you're scared to do anything with it that's of a practical measure that will be fruitful for the kingdom of God. And the reason why you're scared is... It's because sometimes, just like this person said, I was afraid of you. Because I don't think you like sloppiness. Some of us think this, and we've got to get it out of our minds today. 
That when you've been given the gift from Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that you have to be a perfect vessel to use it. We've got to stop thinking that Jesus is like this master who hates sloppiness and he's looking for operating in this gift in a perfect way. We, when we went out on the streets of the night, made mistakes. We did some things wrong. I learned things. I learned how to communicate with people. And we've got to learn to go out and actually be make mistakes even though we're with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is working through us. Unfortunately, he's got some vessels here made of clay, it says. That's all we are. Imperfect. We're only perfect through him. But we're operating in these vessels. And some of us are scared stiff to say, if I was to step out, what if I made a mistake? What if it's not, I need to be holy. I need to be holy to use this gift. I need to be perfect. To wear the halo and to be at the top end of my spiritual level. And some of us here may be thinking, I'm not going to attend the evangelism courses and go because I just need to do a few more things first. I need to just get myself into shape, feel the best premium I can as a Christian, then I'll attend. Jesus says this, I want you just as you are. I want you, whether you feel like a mess or not, I want you with all your rubbish, I want everything about you, Because you're the only ones who've got a mouthpiece to deliver what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of you. So you need to get it out of your system that you've got to attain perfection to operate this gift. It's a lie. A lie of the enemy. And this guy who held back and closed and hid away his gift, he believed that lie inside that you've got to be good to operate. I love that that Jesus wants us to operate even that we're just the way we are. Failures, messes. That when we're talking to people, when we talked to people the other night, I I went through, the some of of the guys were with me and we went through uh, some of the Ten Commandments showing people how they failed them. You say, well, that's not very nice. And I said to the guy, I says, unfortunately, I can't fulfill them either. I says, I've been a bit of a mess because I can't do what God actually asked us to do. There's a reason for that. No one ever could. That's why he sent his son to abolish the law, to abolish the law of the Ten Commandments that have gripped people. The law of the Ten Commandments was not so that you can be a perfect person and try and ever become one. It was so that you could set a moral standard. But he sent Jesus because he knew that you couldn't fulfill it. He could fulfill it for you. Some of us here today are thinking, I'm going to try, 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 try to fulfill all of these commandments, do everything I can to feel like I'm, I'm ready to pray for someone on the street and believe that how can Jesus use me with power to heal the sick when I did this thing the other week that I'm so, so embarrassed about. If God knew, if only people knew. The gifts and callings of God come without repentance. Do you know why? Do you know what I love is every time I've ever prophesied for people, every time I've ever done something for, through the Spirit, I think, do you know what? It's nothing to do with me. Everything we ever do through us in the gifts are for other people. God's interested in ministering to others. If you're willing to be open. You just need to sort yourself out. He's happy to use you. You just need to try and overcome some things yourself. He hid it away and wrapped it up, it says, in cloth in the message. How many of you have got some precious stuff at home that you wrap away and you put away in safe places and you hide away? I know I've got in my shed... 
at home. I bought a few years ago a nice new bike. I love my, I've got a couple, two bikes. I have one that I use for going out in the winter and I don't really care how it gets damaged because it's a winter bike. And then I've got one that I just use and I never go out in the winter because I don't want any of the parts on it to get rusty or anything. And I hide it away and I put a blanket over it and I try to do everything. Do you know what? I've had it for a couple of years. And what hurts me is even when I cover the thing up in the shed, and I go to it, and I take the cover and thinking, I'm going to get it out this summer. Things are starting to erode on it, even though it's sat there, and it's not being used. And it, I'm thinking, oh, I want it to be, just look like it did when it came out of the shop. And unfortunately, the cold weather and everything erodes things. Don't lay up your treasures on this earth. And I look at it thinking, do you know what? As perfect as I'd like that to be, it can't be. And I try and hide it away. I try to keep it perfect. I've got, and some of us have got things. We've got things that we hide away and we say, I don't want it to be, to, and we put it in and wrap it up in cloth, precious jewelry or things like that. And this is what this guy did. He hid away the gift. You can hide away the gift of the Holy Spirit and not use it for what its real purpose is. In the NIV we just read, it says in the cellar. Hid it in the cellar, it describes. A cellar normally in a house is a dark place where you don't take your guests. When the guests come round, you don't invite them and say, come in my lovely cellar. It's lovely and warm. It's probably warmer than downstairs. Come in my cold, damp cellar and let's have a cup of tea. No, you put things in the cellar you want to hide. Some of us have that little room. I've got one under my stairs where everything seems to just get crammed in so no one else sees it. And I can never find anything. And we've got these hideouts where we put things, where we don't want others to see. And some of us today are hiding what's really going on inside of us. The power of the Spirit. And you're probably saying, I'm going to have to attain, I'm going to have to listen to a few more sermons and do a few more things till I can get to where you're talking about, Phil. But the truth is this, you don't have to. You can be this person right now. Don't ever believe that you've got to attain a spiritual ladder to get to it. It's a lie of the enemy. He hid it and he was afraid. The danger today is that we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit and we don't operate with it. We don't use it. We just attend church, come and feel the Holy Spirit. Oh, I felt the Holy Spirit. I've met several people sometimes where they... And I've got no problem with this to some degree, but people who say, as soon as I left the church on Sunday through the week, I just felt I couldn't wait to get back on Sunday again. Church starts on Monday. It's not here. We celebrate, we come together, we encourage each other in all of these good things, in Scripture, worship Him, put Him at the center. But you've got to go out and you've got to use the gift. Remember the man in the parable said this, operate with this till I return. He's coming back one day soon. And he's going to ask us, what have you done with the Holy Spirit? What have you done with the gift? The message says this about keeping our things concealed. We know the parable about the keeping a light hidden. It says, you're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. 
Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt, prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. We shouldn't conceal what we have. We shouldn't conceal it. He says, go public. Go public with this. We are called to bear fruit. Jesus said in John, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing at all. Nothing. We can be in the danger of being ashamed of God. Ashamed of Him. I'll tell you what, if you're ashamed of God, He will be ashamed of you. That's scriptural. It says this, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. When He comes in His glory and His, and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I don't want to be ashamed. Do you know I've just getting to the point now where I don't really care what people think when we go out? I just think, why should we care about what people think? We have to be nice to people, share people in a good way. Not beating them with the Bible. The day's coming when he will return for his investment, for what you've done with the Holy Spirit. We'll stand before him and every knee shall bow. The Bible says this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The question is, what will you have to say to him when the master returns? What will you say? Well, I, I, I hid it away and I was scared and you know, I, I just didn't, I couldn't really speak out at work because if I did, people just take, make fun of me. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you that people do not make, the fun, make fun as much as you think they're going to. When we went out on the streets the other night, people didn't make fun. They wanted to talk to us. They wanted to talk to us. We had some other great conversations, I'm sure many did, out of the groups that went out. Number The final point this morning is the risk that you take. If you're willing to take this risk, it will equal a reward. He's coming back with a reward in his hand. Amen? The first guy says, the man says to him, uh, the man says to him, good work, and he receives the rule of ten cities. Do you see the principle here? When God, when Jesus comes back, the reward he has in his hand is about when he's going to give rule and leadership over people to see how, what they've done with his Holy Spirit, what they've done on earth. He's not, one of the things you must notice is that the third person is not banished from the kingdom of God. There are some others that got banished, but the third person that concealed and hid away did not actually get banished. He took away from him the gift the others got ruler, rulership and, king, uh, and leadership over cities. In the future, that's what will happen. He will look at people and say, you've been faithful, I'm going to let you lead in this way, in this, in this new kingdom. But for the one who hid it, he takes away from what he has and gives it to someone else. He doesn't take away his eternal gift. He doesn't banish him. But I don't want to be the one who scrapes through. There's many people out there today I meet who seem to be scrapers. 
They just seem to want to scrape through with a ticket into heaven. Yeah, I did. I said the prayer and I go to church and I do this. And they scrape through. If you, I don't know what's happening between those, them and God. That's for God to know, not me. But all I know is this, that if we scrape through and don't use the Holy Spirit for what was intended him to, for us to be used by it, then it doesn't mean that we're not going to make it into heaven, but we're not going to receive the rewards. We don't know the things that we, God has in store for us. You might think, I, I'm not really bothered about leading ten cities. Come on. This is just parables. God has things in store for us that you cannot contain in your mind. He created us. He created the earth. He created the, everything around us. On the day he returns, I believe people are going to be wishing, wishing that they had done something with the Holy Spirit. Wishing that they had operated until he'd returned with the gift he'd given them. And you're going to look and say, wow, if only my eyes could have seen this. Blessed are those who don't see but still believe. You don't have to see it to believe it. To the th- after the third person says that he's not got anything and he's concealed it away. He says this in Luke 19 verse 26. We read it in the message. The result was this. The master said... To them, he said this, risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. I don't want to end up holding the bag, stood before God, saying, I'm sorry, Lord, and all I've got is an empty bag. I want to have the bag full, saying, Lord, I tried to do everything I could for you because you gave your life for me. You sacrificed your life. This is nothing compared to what you did for me. I don't want to stand before him when he look, when we look at the wounds in his hands and on his head and his feet. And we look at the one who was bruised, the one who was crucified for us. And he stands there and asks the question, what have you done? What have you done? And we have to look him in the face and say, well, I was afraid that you might, you know, and try and come up with excuses. There's no excuse. The risk will equal a reward. To double the money, the servants had to risk it. Invest and risk. You might say, well, it's like gambling. It's the only time that we're asked to really gamble. In the Bible. To really put things down on the line and say, you've given me something, Lord. I'm gonna, I could be filled with the Holy Spirit and feel you, but I'm willing to release this and let it out and use it. And he will always give you more back. He would always give you more back. I had a good friend of mine when I was at university who used to gamble his heart away. He used to borrow money, borrow money on the student loans to put through the machines. So addicted to gambling. And let me tell you, I used to go and watch him and he'd, and he'd just be stood there and he knew, he was so good at it, he knew different machines and different way they'd been made inside to understand the sounds of the machines inside to understand that the way that they would work and when they're going to pay out. And he was actually very good at gambling with these machines. But he'd always said this to me, as good as he was, as good as he was to do this, he said, I always lose. I said, I don't understand. He said, I'm really, I can do it and I can, I always lose. Gamblers always lose. We know that. It says that, don't we? We read that on the internet. You look. 
And do you know what? It's not about your skill with the gift of how skillful you are at using things and doing things. It's not about you and how good you can do something. He was good at trying to do things and he was gambling and risking everything. But you can rely on the Holy Spirit. The other night when we spoke over people and we gave words of knowledge to people that were accurate, it seems. And God was revealing himself to people. It's because we weren't relying on our own abilities. We're saying, God, you told us to go out and do it. Well, you've got to show up and help us then. Because we're going to step out for you, Lord. You can't rely on your own skills. Alternative, the man in the power said, play it safe and end up holding the bag. You could have an empty bag. I don't want to have an empty bag. Someone once quoted this. If you are not willing to risk the unusual, you will have to settle for the ordinary. If you're not willing to risk the unusual, you'll have to settle for the ordinary. You can be an ordinary Christian today. You can be an ordinary person. Or you can, you can go for the extraordinary. And what we saw the other night, I believe, was pushing for the extraordinary. He's saying, you know, we're not going to stick around just in this church doing the same thing. We're going to do something different. We went for the extraordinary. We should never settle for the ordinary. I just want to draw your attention just very quickly to the story of the five loaves, the two fish. When the little boy came that day and all the disciples looked, they saw multitudes of people who were following Jesus. There were thousands of people following Jesus because of his teaching. That's how good. He was well known. This guy was going around healing the sick, doing good. They wanted to be with him. So much so that they hadn't eaten. The disciples got more concerned and said, these people have not eaten. They were worried about them. And Jesus said, when the little boy came and offered his two fish and his loaves, he said, go around. And he prayed over it and they went round and started to feed people. He says, there are 12 baskets left, left over of the scraps of the bread. But let me tell you this, you will, you stop waiting until you're praying. Some of us are praying over the five loaves and two fish, waiting for it to multiply, waiting for something to happen with a miracle. Then we'll go out and feed the people. They went, he prayed over it. And then they, all they did is it says they started to go around and to feed people and offer it. And what happened was, is it never ran out. It just seemed to keep on going to the point when it was left over. And I believe that some of us today need to stop thinking about we're going to have prayer meetings and wait till God comes in a powerful way and he multiplies the bread and the fish. Then we'll go out and feed the people. You've got to go out there with two loaves and a few bit of, uh, with some loaves and two fish. Go out there onto the streets. We've got to get out there and share the gospel and God will meet you right there and there will be multiplication and a miracle. And finally, as we come to a close, there was a fourth person the person mentioned about the subjects, the citizens, the ones who said, we don't want this man to be our king. We don't want him. It says this, verse 27, As for those enemies of mine who petitioned against my rule, clear them out of here. I don't want to see their faces around here again. There are people today who reject. And God is going to reject them. It's harsh, but it's true. The offer is now. 
Jesus says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. And many of us today, we're going to meet people. And I met someone the other night who, he says, don't talk to me, I'm an atheist. I said, I still want to talk to you. We ended up having talking for about 20 minutes to this guy. And at the end of it, we had a really good time with him. He didn't believe, and I was never going to force him to believe. But he had fully, outwardly said to me, I'm rejecting him. I don't believe in him whatsoever. And some people today reject the one who's going to come back with authorization of his rule. But let me tell you this, he is coming back. The reward is in his hand. He's coming back, the one who created us, the one who loves us. He will come back on that day and we will see him again. We will be with him again. And some are going to reject him and some are going to say no. But just as it was in the day of Noah, people will be beating on outside the bus and let us in. Let us in. We made a mistake. We knew it was real. We, we, we made a mistake. Romans 2 verse 6 to 8 says this. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. It's not my words, that's the words of the Bible. But thankfully, in Romans ten thirteen, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls on his name shall be saved. But there is a time to call on his name. And he gives us that opportunity. He gives us that opportunity. As I close, just reminding us, we need to receive this gift. Not reject it. Receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've not received today, you can. You can receive the gift that's going to enable you to operate until he returns. And to have a Christian walk that actually you should be having. Not lukewarm, but on fire for God. We want a church of people that's on fire for God, not lukewarm Christians. Revelation says he will spit the lukewarm people out. There's no point trying to have too much um, of God in your life. Because you'll never, if you have too much of one and the other, You'll have too much of God where you don't enjoy sin and then you'll do the other and you'll enjoy sin and you'll not love God enough and you'll just be in that middle. God says, I want people on fire, red hot. Don't reject him. Reve- reveal the gift and don't conceal it. Don't hide it away. Say today, Lord, I'm going to start revealing what you've done in my heart. I'm going to start sharing it and seeing you come through and use me in this gift. And finally, If we risk everything, we won't end up holding the bag, an empty bag, but it will give us a reward. Some of us today are saying, I'm just tired and I can't do the work. Do you know what? I've realized now as we move into this season ahead, we're going to be tired. We're going to find it very difficult. The reward is not for now on this earth. God is going to give us a reward that far surpasses anything that you can ever dream of on this earth. If you think about it, it says risk it all and get everything you've ever dreamed of. It doesn't mean while you're on this earth. It means if you do everything, you risk it all, you'll get everything you've ever dreamed of in eternity.
Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.